talking to Molly Gilbert, uh, the author of Sheet Pan Suppers, and that's a while ago. We're going to talk about that. And her current book is what we're focusing on, Sheet Pan Sweets, Simple Streamlined Dessert Recipes. And boy, it's full of temptations, listeners. <laughs> Molly, it, can you believe it's been 10 years since your first book? I can't believe it. No, not at all. Of course, you have three small children to deal with, don't you? I do, yes. A lot has happened in three years. <laughs> I'm a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-month-old. Oh, a three-month-old, and, and you're getting any sleep or not? Uh, not so much, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> well, you know, um, when you wrote this sheet pan suppers, um, you really are credited with starting this sheet pan trend because, um, you know, right now it seems like everybody knows about it, but at the time it wasn't that, that that popular. I mean, you're the one that put it on the map, right? Yeah, that's true. It feels like my book sort of launched this sheet pan movement, which has been so cool to see. I mean, sheet pan cooking and, and one pan cooking is still everywhere today. Um, so it obviously really resonated with people. Now, um, you list certain advantages to baking. We're going to talk about baking, even though, I mean, you have a full culinary uh, career and credentials um, in, in uh, recipe testing, um, uh, also in teaching and so forth, but we're going to focus on the, the sweets. What do you list as the advantages uh, to baking in a sheet pan? Yeah, there are a number of advantages to baking on a sheet pan. The first one is um, quick cooking times. I find that when you're cooking like cakes, for example, on a sheet pan, a sheet cake, or if you're going to bake cake to stack up to be a layer cake, um, because of the large surface area on a sheet pan, it just cooks much qu more quickly than if you're using a traditional cake pan. Um, the, ba you know, the batter isn't quite as deep, so things cook quickly. And in that same vein, they also cool very quickly. So, you know, you don't have to be waiting for hours for a cake to cool before you can put the frosting on top. Um, and right. another sort of obvious advantage of baking on a sheet pan is just the volume, the amount that you can bake on there. You know, a sheet pan will feed at least 24 people, depending on how you're cutting the cake. And you can do slab pies, which is basically the equivalent of baking two pies at once. Um, obviously, you can do a lot of cookies. You can do bar cookies on a sheet pan, so like a batch of brownies. Instead of baking in a regular 8x8 eight eight pan, um, you can bake an entire sheet pan full of brownies or blondies or any kind of bar. Um, and then you're all ready to go for like the bake sale or you know your holiday party. Um, you can really cook for a lot of people, bake for a lot of people on a sheet pan. Why don't you actually describe what what is a sheet pan? Like, why is it different from like a cookie um, sheet? Yeah, I mean, yeah great Tell question. me about this. I have a yeah. sheet pan that I don't understand because it has the corners removed. So anytime I put anything off of it, it on it, it drips off into my oven. Oh no, that doesn't What's sound that like a. Yeah, that sounds more like maybe a cookie sheet or a jelly roll pan, which are smaller. So a cookie sheet, everybody knows, it's just like a sheet. There's no sides. There's no lip around the edge. 
Um, and a jelly roll pan looks like a sheet pan, but it's a little smaller. So when I'm talking about a sheet pan in my book, I'm talking about um, an 18 by 13 inch pan with a one inch lip around the edge. Um, they're oh, also that's sometimes called half sheets. Yeah, it is pretty big. It it um it it is big. Although when I tested the recipes for my first book, sheet pan suppers, I was living in San Francisco with like a three-quarter size oven. It was this teeny tiny little <laughs> oven, and my sheet, my sheet pans fit just fine in there. So even if you've got you're working with a smaller size oven, although sheet pans are big, they should fit just fine. Well, I, from writing a, a, a cookbook with a chef, um, I mean, I'm familiar with uh, sill pats, sheet pans, half sheet pans, quarter sheet pans. <laughs> what, what are you mainly talking about? The, the full I'm mainly talking about a half sheet. So a okay. full sheet pan is like a really giant one that, that is mainly used commercially, like in restaurants and stuff. But the ones that you buy for home are called half sheets. And you can okay. also buy quarter sheets if you want to like half a recipe, if you don't want to be cooking for an entire crowd. But the right. ones in my book, they all call for the same pan, which is a sheet pan. Why don't they? Not, not a half sheet have. pan. A half not, sheet, right. Not a, a, half not sheet. Not a half sheet pan. Why if you put cake batter and it doesn't overflow the one-inch one inch rim? You know, I don't know the exact science behind why it doesn't, but, you know, when I tested all of these recipes, I was very – I had a few mishaps, actually, while testing, particularly with my um, gingerbread cake recipe. Um, I was adapting that from my husband's grandma, who made – she was from the South and loved to bake and um, made all sorts of cakes and treats all the time, and she had this amazing gingerbread recipe. And so I wanted to adapt it for this cookbook. So I tested it a couple of times, and I had this big disaster with gingerbread batter overflowing from the pan in my <laughs> oven. I just filled it too high. That um, would make a mess. A big mess, for sure. I mean, it smelled very good, but it was a giant mess. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I've obviously tested all of these recipes, so overflowing the pan with batter shouldn't be an issue. Um, and... And you, you, create height, you create height by doing layers, right, or rolling. Yeah, you, you sure can. Um, so you can bake a sheet pan and then cut out layers to stack to make a layered cake. Or um, I also have a number of recipes in the book where they're like light spongy cakes. You, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You turn them out onto the counter and then you roll them up to be um, – really pretty rolled cakes. So I have a pumpkin tiramisu roll that's very seasonal right now. There's a sticky toffee uh, date cake, which is rolled up with like a caramel on top. Um, I have a strawberries and cream roll in there. Um, that's a fun technique to do, the roll. Well, you, you, um, you really, I don't want to say depend on, but one of the big selling points of your book undoubtedly is photography. I mean, everything looks so luscious. You want to hurry up and get your sheet pan in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I worked with a wonderful photographer out of New York named Dana Gallagher, and she took the photos for this book, and I agree. They came out so gorgeous. 
Yeah, I mean, they, the colors and stuff you get with, like, matcha are wonderful, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun making, and I helped on the photo shoot as well with making all the food that got photographed, so it was really, really fun to see them brought to life in pictures. Yeah, I, I don't know which one to focus it on. I mean, I just opened the book and saw the Toasted S'mores Blondies. Tell us about Toasted S'more Blondies. <laughs> They look like, oh, they're fabulous looking. Yes, those are great. So those are in the bar section of the book. So it's a pretty classic blondie recipe. Um, I use some brown butter in the dough to make them just really extra delicious. Um, And then to make them kind of s'mores inspired, um, they are chock full of graham cracker pieces, uh, bittersweet chocolate chips, and also marshmallows on top that get kind of toasty and roasty. And so it's reminiscent of a s'more, but one that is much more portable and, you know, packable for lunch and that sort of thing. Now, I mean, where do you start with these? I mean, some of them you said, like, your, your husband's grandmother's recipe for the gingerbread. But some of these other recipes seem like they're original, like your chocolate meringue kisses. They are so adorable. (laughs) Yeah, those are a really fun recipe in the cookie section. You know, I get inspiration sort of from everywhere. Most of it comes from my own stomach and what sounds good to me to eat. Um, But, you know, whether I've been out at a restaurant and I want to try and create, recreate something I've had out there or, you know, something I grew up eating or something that I've seen in a book or a magazine that I want to create my own version of. Um, I find that inspiration is sort of all around. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't get the same inspiration from some of these things. I mean, tahini brownie cookies, that's really out there. It's wonderful. Yeah, well, you know, peanut butter and chocolate is such a classic combination, and tahini is similar to peanut butter. Um, it's a sesame-based paste. Um, but it has sort of a similar vibe, like a same, slightly different but same like textures and flavors. And so it, it's a no-brainer. It goes so well with chocolate. Right. You know, we, we've been sort of touching on this, but um, why don't you outline for our listeners the different sections of your book, which essentially are different um, techniques and, that you tackle? How, do you, how yeah. did you organize this book? Okay, yes. So it, and uh, don't leave out the sticky toffee date roll, which looks like my good dog for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the book starts um, with sheet cake. So that's just your classic one-layer, fill-the-pan sheet cake. And what I love about those is that there's something very nostalgic about those for me, and I love that you can serve them straight from the pan. Um, so everything from I, probably my favorite recipe in the whole book is in that chapter. That's the very first recipe. It's called Jack's Chocolate Chip Cake with Fudge Frosting, and that is the cake that is on the cover of the book. Um, I just love that book, and I, I call it Jack's. That's the name of my middle son. Um, I was going to say it. one of your sons was, yeah. Yes, he requested it for his third birthday. So there's a nostalgic element there for me as well, but there, that cake is just to die for. Um, it's got everything from carrot cake, pound cake, there's a tres leches cake in there, um, a German chocolate cake, double chocolate sheet cake. It sort of, you know, runs the gamut of all different flavors of sheet cake. 
The <laughs> next chapter we move on to is layered and rolled cakes. So yeah, see, this rolled cake thing is I, I have the feeling I, I wouldn't be able to make one of those. I have the feeling it would all fall apart. You know, I tried to make them as accessible and easy as possible, and I and I walk you through the steps. So, you know, my hope is that really anyone can do it. Um, it's one of those things that looks really fancy and impressive and difficult, but in reality, it's it's not that hard once you sort of get the technique down. Um, but yeah, there's everything from a chocolate hazelnut bouche de Noël, which is like a you know Christmas sort of log cake. Um, like you said, the sticky toffee date roll. I have a recipe in that chapter for um, a black forest Swiss roll. So I love that chocolate and cherry combination. Yeah. Um, I have a Boston cream pie, a sprinkle layer cake. So I, you know, the flavors are sort of all over there, but um, I wanted to touch on a, a little something for everyone. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving right on, you got next. Yes, next, the next chapter is bars. Um, so that like seems I said, a natural, a total natural for a sheet pan. Absolutely. The bars work so well in a sheet pan. And again, you can serve them straight out of the sheet pan or slice them all up and pack them away for lunches or a bake sale or a party, whatever you, you need them for. But there's everything in that. There is a brownie recipe. Um, it's actually a like a cheesecake swirl brownie. Um, I have pumpkin pie bars, which is so great for the holidays. Um, normally at Thanksgiving, I'm stuck making at least four pumpkin pies because uh-huh. it's w- one of everyone's favorites. But, you know, now I can just make a sheet pan full of pumpkin pie bars and everyone gets what they want without me having to sort of stay in the kitchen all day baking four pies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You favor these Buckeye bars. Tell us about those. Yes, Buckeye bars. So Buckeyes are traditionally this treat from Ohio. It's like this um, peanut butter candy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Peanut butter candy dipped in some melted chocolate to look like a a Buckeye, which is actually something that falls from a tree there. Um, But I've turned it into bar form here. So it's got this like, Oreo cookie crust, and then that pe- creamy sort of peanut butter, um, almost like fudge on top with a thin layer of chocolate on the very top. So it's a more, you know, sliceable version of a Buckeye. Yes. Listeners, pay attention to these. <laughs> you won't believe it when you see this book. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, we, uh, you didn't mention to me uh, one of the marvels of the book is your six-layer dolly bars. <laughs> Mm, that's in the bar section as well. That's right. I've heard these called magic bars. I've heard them um, by a bunch of other names. Um, but basically, they're just very simple treats held together by a little sweetened condensed milk. There's nuts in there. I add some dried pineapple. Um, so those are those are a great sort of beginner recipe if you want something that's like super duper easy because it's sort of just stirring and pressing and baking. It's very easy. Um, There's pecan pie bars in that chapter, black and white cookie bars. I've sort of tried to give everyone a lot of options in the bar section. If Um, all the cereal treats, I guess you you would head in that direction. Yeah, yeah. 
That's right. No, you can make um, Rice Krispie treats on a sheet pan, I discovered. You don't need the bowl. Um, you know, I melt the butter right there on the pan. Then I add the marshmallows right to the pan and mix everything up on the pan. Um, and then sort of carefully fold in all the cereal and press it into the corners. And you can do the Rice Krispie treats right there on the sheet pan. Yeah, people will snicker, and I don't mean that as a pun, at the whole idea. But it's probably one of the first things any of us who cook learn to, to bake, right? Yeah, it's one of the Because the recipe's right on the box. <laughs> mm-hmm, and it's so easy. Yeah. So, you, so you the next chapter from... is cookies. Yep, the next cookies. chapter is cookies. Mm-hmm. Which um, are endless. I mean, we're living in a state that popularized the wedding um, a cookie, um, what do you call table? Table, yeah. Cookie table. You know, I mean, oh. it's a competition of who can get the, the biggest and best cookie table. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully there will be a few in this chapter that would help out with that. Um, but you mentioned the tahini brownie cookies. I've got some cardamom snickerdoodles in there. Um, I have a recipe for chocolate chip cookie brittle on there. So instead of oh, I like that one. Cookie, yeah, I yeah, forgot about that. That's wonderful push. looking. Yeah, that one's a really a really nice one. It's especially good if you like a crispy cookie. You know, if you're not into like a sort of soft cakey cookie, um, mm. the chocolate chip cookie brittle comes out thin and crispy and buttery and delicious. And you don't. Yeah, have I feel to it's more helpful to eat those rather than a chewy cookie. I'm fooling myself, but I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the other th- chapter I had a hard time understanding. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. cookies and bars and sheet cakes. Um, how do you make a pie on, on a sheet pan? Yeah, that's a great question. So a pie on a sheet pan uh, is... Pretty, I think called a slab pie. So it ends up looking a little bit like a giant Pop-Tart. You know, it's like a big rectangular pie. And you're working with a little bit more dough than you would normally work with to make one pie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do, I mean, anything you can make as a pie, you can make as a slab pie pretty much. So I have um, what I call a four-striped fruit pie, which has four different fruit fillings, but you could just do one kind of fruit filling if you want to. And you then can people do... can set what they want, yeah. So you yeah, can reach exactly. all the taste, yeah. But yeah, you, all... you can make one pie. Rabbit, she also has an eaten largest mess on this <laughs> sheet <did. laughs> What's that? Yes. An eaten mess? An eaten mess. It's a giant eaten mess. Oh, oh boy! It's Eaton's largest mess. So they need a good team. That's right. Yeah. But there's a recipe for apple pan dowdy, uh, peach cobbler. All of these things can be made on a sheet pan. Wow. Okay, and but you you, I mean, how do you get the same kind of um, combination of flaky crust and fruit if you do this on a sheet pan? Um, well, so your ratio of filling to crust will actually be a little bit different on a sheet pan. So if you prefer a lot of filling and a little bit of crust, a mm-hmm. slab pie might not be for you. But if you're a crust lover and you love, you know, a higher crust to filling ratio, 
then making a slab pie is a great idea because you're going to get all that crust of the whole, you know, surface of the sheet pan. Um, and then the filling will be a little bit thinner, <clears throat> excuse me, than a normal pie. And then you can either do more pie crust on top. You can put a crumble on top. Um, you know, you could do a biscuit top. It's, it's, like I said, sort of anything you can dream up to make in a pie tin, you can make in a sheet pan as well. But you'll it's just feed a lot more people. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like you shouldn't be able to do that. But look at this plum pistachio galette. <laughs> yeah, I love a galette because it's so much more easy and informal than a pie. You don't have to worry about perfectly crimping all the edges. You don't have to worry about, you know, making decorations for the top. You just sort of take the dough, roll it out willy-nilly, put your filling inside, and then fold the sides around the filling so that um, everything just gets kind of tucked in there. And it doesn't look necessarily as polished as, you know, a pie that you're crimping, but I personally just love the look of it. It looks rustic. It's inviting. Um, I love a galette. Well, Go ahead, I, I don't have much to offer when it comes to sheet pies, but, but I do... I do need your advice on one thing, because I use a sheet pan a lot when I'm cooking things like chicken thighs. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem is getting the pans clean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she, she says you should line them with the parchment, right? Yeah, a lot of the recipes lining with parchment is helpful. Okay. Or if you're, if you're cooking you know, a chicken thigh or something on there, you could even line it with some foil and that would protect your pan and make cleanup a lot easier. Um, but I find that having a little bit, you know, my all of my sheet pans that I have bought and used have quite a patina on them. So oh, yeah, um, I think too. it's okay. <laughs> they get seasoned as you use them and that's okay. But, you know, I keep looking at I bought one of these uh, holy sheet pans, the bright blue one. Yeah, and, and I I don't like to dirty it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean there are some nicer versions that have the nonstick coating on them, or like you said, the the pretty colors. Um, and those ones, I think you have to be a little bit more careful while you're cleaning that they don't go in the dishwasher or, or things like that. But um, yeah, well, yeah. they also the, the company recommends uh, using a um, a parchment or silk pad or something. Yeah, it's line. That makes sense. Yeah. How, um, how come you never told me about that? Me? Yeah. Why? You're, you're the one who was always, always complaining that I burned the inside of the sheet pad. Oh, well. <laughs> it happens, I know. But, you know, I, I think that um, we just got confirmation from Molly that if you're a real serious baker, you end up with maybe not a, a perfect sheet pan as a result. <laughs> One of the recipes that fascinated me was your mini pavlovas. Uh, pavlovas are so tricky in terms of the the texture of it. What? How do you control it with your mini? And I mean, they're so temperature sensitive and everything. 
Yeah, they can be a little intimidating for sure. But, um, you know, in my recipe, I have you add um, – let me just pull up the recipe to make sure that I'm speaking correctly to it. Uh, let's see. Here it is. The right chapter. Yeah, I have you add – sorry, I'm almost there. I have you add a little bit of um, – cornstarch and vinegar in with them and that will help yeah, stabilize that, yeah, it does. yeah the egg whites yeah. so that the texture is a little bit more it, it's a little easier you're not so worried about you know deflating or the, the meringue deflating or things kind of stinking and slumping um yeah, well, actually honestly, in australia what we lived in australia in australia they count on the shape as a dome when you put it in, and as it cooks, it does sink in the middle, which is the foundation for your fruit. That's right. And it yeah, gets you're going to stick your whipped yeah. cream and fruit. And honestly, I have found that it's so delicious with the cream and the fruit on top that, like, if the texture of your pavlova is not perfect, no one's going to care. It's it's all about sort of the presentation and the eating and the flavors and um you know, I've tried to make it sort of as simple as possible for people to do something like this and take the intimidation factor out of it. Well, a lot of things can go wrong because I had a luncheon and served it, and one of the guests observed it was the first time she had to use a steak knife and fork to eat dessert. <laughs> it was not a success. So anyhow, so moving on, you also do breakfast and breads, which I think probably could be one of the really – most popular um, sections of your book. I mean, you have granola, you have uh, coffee crumb cake, you have Mm -hmm. um, olive oil challah, um, you have muffins, donuts. um, I mean, you've got everything in here. Yeah, I I try to kind of fill out the breakfast table for sure. You can do everything from sheet pan pancakes, which I love because you don't have to stand over the stove flipping each individual pancake. Um, but you can, you can customize, you know, one part of the pan has chocolate chips maybe and the other part has bananas. You know, people can choose their own toppings for their pancakes, but you're just baking them all in one sheet pan so that you can all sit down together at breakfast and someone's not left standing over the stove, um, which always sort of bothers me about flipping pancakes for other people. I have um, a cinnamon roll poke cake recipe in that chapter, and that is... Um, you know, again, instead of making individual cinnamon rolls, I make a cake that's sort of spiced and flavored like a cinnamon roll with this um, really rich, like, brown sugar cinnamony um, topping that gets spread on top and drips into the little poked holes on the cake, and then it gets finished with a cream cheese frosting, just like a cinnamon roll would. Um, And that's something that would be great, like, around the holidays if you don't want to be baking a full batch of cinnamon rolls um, but you want to have something that you can make ahead of time and is ready for breakfast the next morning if you have house guests or something like that. Um, same with my blueberry muffin cake. Um, there's a lot of good options in the breakfast section. Yeah, I, I agree. I, mean, I think it's, if you like to entertain at brunch, this is kind of the way to go. Instead of standing there with your individual make egg things, you know, just yeah, get a mm-hmm. sheet pan, listeners, and get this book. Get it. It's a... It's a Sheet pan sweets, 
by Molly Gilbert. Right. And Molly, um, it's it's a really lovely book. Um, I keep wanting to eat some of the things in here. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> so, well, thank you for for opening this trend. It's really caught on. Uh, you're you're <laughs> called, I believe, the queen of sheet pan cooking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I am, you know, deserving of that title, but I will take it. Okay. Molly, thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Oh, listeners, we're talking to Stephanie Kriebel about her wonderful product, OMG Pretzels. And uh, I was telling her that I became so addicted to them, but I never actually buy pretzels because Peter doesn't like them, except he likes Stephanie's. And I wanted to ask her, what is it that makes your pretzels so special? Oh, well, thanks for having me, Ann and Peter. Um, What makes our pretzels so special is that we are all about taste, crunch, and indulgence. So, you know, not only are we a positively poppable standalone snack, but we are excellent for elegant, entertaining, and also as a great addition to recipes. Oh, yeah. I used it for all kinds of things. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. can crush fish with it. You can make panzanella salad with it. Um, You can do... um, you you even have um, a special salad recipes using them. I mean, it's really versatile. Yeah, we do. We really focus on uh, the multiple ways to pretzel. And we have um, my mom and also a resident foodie who, you know, come up with these great recipes and entertaining tips. Right. So well, it's a lot of when, fun. Yeah, well, you... you mentions your mother and um, I'm, I think that this is probably where uh, you, you tell us uh, like where did this company OMG which is uh, uh, oh my god really uh, pretzels where this <laughs> how, how this company started what's your backstory uh, your involvement with your mother tell us about it sure sure so um, the OMG uh, came about because, uh, you know, once you pop one in your mouth, OMG comes popping out. <laughs> and um, we got started in my mom's kitchen uh, back in 2014. Um, my mom made our flagship garlic pretzels for us as well, um, after-school snacks growing up, right, as kids. kids. No, well, and kids. Um, we were very lucky kids and you know so she started using them for entertaining purposes at her own parties taking them as hostess gifts to other you know party events she would go to and people started asking her where they could buy them so in 2014 we started literally in her kitchen two pans at a time in her oven and for the first two years, it was all about garlic pretzels, and then our um, next flavor that we came out with, which was our sweet and salty pretzels. 
And, you know, we um, really focus a lot on nostalgia. And, you know, growing up, my grandfather, my father's dad, would come over every day before school and play cards with us and have cinnamon sugar toast. So we kind of dedicated our sweet and salty flavor to him. So that was the first couple of years. Then the next five years, we worked in a um, commercial kitchen in a local synagogue. And we had a wonderful team of women who helped us out in the kitchen um, making our pretzels. And we came out with our next three flavors, the Chesapeake Spice, Sweet and Spicy, and the Cheddar Jalapeno. And then, you know, that was for about five years. And then... Uh, we um, grew so big that we um, decided we would start working with a co-manufacturer yeah. so that we could scale our business. And uh, and at the same time, that's when the pandemic hit. So it was kind of, you know, perfect Ooh. timing for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you handled more than one thing, but it was a good time for online ordering. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. It really, um, our, our business, we got very busy during the pandemic and, um, you know, so we we grew from a local and regional company to a nationwide company uh, serving also Hawaii and Alaska. Jeez. Now, where, now where, where is home for you, Stephanie? Home uh, for the business is in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Stephanie's home is in uh, California. <laughs> so well, I know, have a little bit of a commute. Yeah, we're we're in in Pennsylvania. Where where is this in in relationship to Pittsburgh? We are on the opposite side. We are outside of Philadelphia. Philadelphia, okay. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids live there. I lived there for seven years, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, and so now, um, I guess I became aware of your existence because of awards you got. Tell us about those. Um, well, we won our first award uh, in Monco Happening. Um, so that's a local, um, like, community-generated voting um, uh, contest that um, businesses uh, can get nominated for um, by members of the community. And then, you know, depending on the number of votes you get, depends on, you know, how you rank in the uh, winnings. And so that was our first award that we won. And then um, we've won some others uh, over the years um, just for um, – uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah. um, There's so many, uh, right? Uh, there's been a few. Um, let's see. So, I mean, we've been, um, you know, uh, written up in the press um, more so. And then, um, you know, I, I should point out, too, that we're also a certified women-owned business. So that's right. very important to us, that and the fact that um, we're also a family-owned business. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, so you're at the top of the charts for pretzels, short of the ones that have been going on for like 150 years. Yeah, so right. It's definitely a legacy business. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, where do you go from here? Do you keep oh, we have a, flavors or what? Well, we we currently have eight flavors. So um, one thing I left out when I was telling you our story, uh, when we 
at the beginning of the pandemic, when we moved to working with the co-manufacturer, we actually added three more flavors, and those are our newest ones, the lemon pepper, salty butterscotch, and the sweet chili. And um, so uh, we have eight flavors right now. We will have another one coming out um, soon. Um, we are also um, working on uh, elevating our packaging a little bit. We, um, we have plans to eventually export, um, hopefully oh, wow. next, starting next year. Um, we've been able to expand our team. Um, we're just really, um, what our goal is, and you brought up the legacy um, part of the pretzel industry. So we like to say we're from Plymouth Meeting, Pretzelvania, right? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of, history here um, in the pretzel industry. Companies have been around for generations. So we're new to the, new to the industry and we're setting ourselves apart. You know, uh, one, our, our sourdough crunchy nugget sets us apart. Um, so that, that crunch that everybody loves in a snack. Um, we've got sweet and savory flavors and we don't, um, we're very generous with our seasoning so that, you know, the seasoning sits with you in your mouth, you know, throughout the whole eating experience. And um, you probably, that's probably one of the reasons you like us so much, Peter. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it because, you know, yeah. usually he turns his nose up to pretzels. But you're yeah. 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 And so, you know, we really feel like there's a place for us, um, you know, in, in this, um, you know, industry. And we're um, establishing our name by... You know, we're a lifestyle brand. We want to be a part of your family. We want you to have make memories with our pretzels. We want we want to help you do that. Um, you know, and we want to make sure that everybody has a love at first bite experience when you first try our pretzels. So what, Stephanie, what did you do before you discovered pretzel making? Uh, well, me, I um, this is actually my fourth career. Um, so I originally had started out as a graphic designer in uh, doing packaging, like uh, oh, I use now for my own products. Um, and then I spent some time in the hospitality industry. And um, I, then I was a teacher. Um, so I taught um, ESL and career really? technical education in California uh, just um, – kind of retired, left that in um, December of 2021. I see. So you're in, in the second or third career or whatever. Fourth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot. But, you know, the great thing about that, that I realize at this point in my life, now that I'm just able to focus exclusively on LNG pretzels, is that there are takeaways from all of those careers that are now helping me you know, run that this happens. That, that really it does. does happen. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are you designing new packaging? Is that what you were talking about a minute ago? We're coming out with a second size bag. So it'll be a smaller grab and go, grab and go bag. And yeah, we're, um, we're making some design changes that I think everybody will be really excited about that. We're definitely excited about. Okay. No, um, the, 
we get, I mean, we have everybody sort of dying for these pretzels now. Uh, I, I guess I had two questions, really. Um, one, I, I wanted to know how you go about getting them. I mean, do you have uh, online purchasing and stuff like that? Or what stores, or do you have a, a store locator or your website or what? Uh, yes. So we have our website, www.omgpretzels.com. And uh, we um, have shopping online through our website. We are also on Amazon. And we do have a store locator in, on our website, and we are constantly updating that with new locations. Um, do you do shows and stuff before you went to Fancy Food Show? Uh, I'm sorry? Were you at the Fancy Food Show? We did not exhibit there. We exhibited at the Sweets and Snacks Show in Chicago back okay. in May, and we just exhibited at the Natural Products Expo East here in Philadelphia. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. so that, yeah, okay. That's a good one. That's a, a good show. Um, yeah, they're both good. So, yeah, um, you know. Now, you, I'm assuming you think about these pretzels a lot. Um, and, and I mentioned some of the uses I found for them, but you must have a, a, a gazillion other uh, applications for reusing your pretzels. Could you tell our listeners what some of those might be? Sure. Um, you know, we have a great recipe for kitchen sink treats, which is like a crispy rice treat, although um, we add our salty butterscotch pretzels as part of the oh, base. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we have a tortellini casserole with our garlic pretzel topping. Oh, um, One of my favorites is this spinach and cheese strata with our Chesapeake spice pretzels. So it's, uh, oh, you know, I like a casserole. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Oh, boy, um, great. Yeah, I mean, we have all kinds of recipes right on our website in our Ways to Pretzel section, and we're always coming out with uh, new ideas. We, um, we also love to collaborate with other women-owned businesses to create recipes. Um, recently, we, have, we just did a recent collaboration with Eat Happy Kitchen where um, oh, that's, we that's a three good, good window them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we created um, three uh, uh, recipes using their dips um, with our pretzels as the dippers. So uh -huh. it's a very, you know, our pretzels are very versatile. So, you know, they're great bite size uh, pretzels, you know, but also, as I said, you can use them for dippers, crumble them up to use them as, you know, dessert or salad toppings. You can, you know, add them to casseroles. You mentioned the um, crusted fish uh, with our lemon pepper pretzels. Yeah, I just read an article about the lemon pepper is like, it's been around for years and years and years. It's now taken a, a front row position uh, in the seasoning. You know, everybody's inter interested in spices and seasonings. Lemon pepper, as long as it's been around, is now on a high note for people uh, flocking to it. Did you know no, that? That's I did not, and um, but that doesn't so it doesn't surprise me now that you say that because that was our biggest, uh, our our most picked product at the Natural Products Expo we show. Um, we ran out of those samples first, 
So it's very interesting because, um, like I said, we came out with our lemon pepper pretzel at the beginning of the pandemic. So as you know, we didn't really have an opportunity to sample them out until recently. Right. And, um, you know, so it's they it's been a little slow with them getting traction, but that's one of my favorites. And I have to tell you, at least for me, and I don't know, you tell me, um, uh, Ann and Peter, if you agree, it, I our pretzels are also, we have one for every mood. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it really um, just depends how you're feeling. And, um, you know, we've got something for everyone. Well, that's that's great. Um, this lemon pepper thing, I was I had a big big jar of it. Um, I, I, we get so many samples from everybody that you know it takes me a while to go through big jars. But I'm down to a little bit in the bottom, and I wondered. I haven't bought lemon pepper for quite some time. I wonder if it's still you know coming out. And then I read this article and thought, oh good, I won't have to spend the rest of my life with that lemon pepper. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, that's and really the, great news. Yeah, and, and uh, this uh, guy we know who um, immigrated to the States from uh, the U.K. Uh, mm-hmm. said that the one thing he was really worried about when he moved here was whether or not he could still get his lemon pepper seasoning. Oh. <laughs> it, it's taken on a life of its own, I must say. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, um, so what, I think your, your company is in good shape. I think your product is fabulous. And uh, I just wish you continuing success, Stephanie. And hello to your mother. <laughs> Thank you so much. It really, um, yeah, it really is fun. And, um, you know, thank you for having us on the podcast. Uh, well, we were just thrilled a bit to, to be able to talk to you because you're, you're also an enthusiastic supporter of your product, which always helps when we're doing interviews. I really enjoy mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, all right, Stephanie, and as I say, carry on, or as the British say, carry on, and mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy your collaborations, which is another one of the, the trends. Everybody's collaborating with everybody else at this point, and I think that's great. Especially it's a big, happy world, and there's a place for all of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, continued success, Stephanie. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. 